Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Fussman, and this may be my most memorable episode of Big Questions. For me, anyway. Wasn't planning on doing it. This happened. That's because the Friars Club threw a birthday party for my pal Larry King last week. Larry had just turned 86, and if you had even a slight idea of what Larry's been through over the last eight months, you'd know how amazing it was to see him out of the hospital and sitting in the courtyard of the Crescent Hotel in Beverly Hills, surrounded by family and friends, and laughing alongside members of the club that he's been dean of for the last six years. Oh man, his recovery would take hours to describe. But as soon as this party ended, I realized I wanted to record our recollections. See, Larry spent a lot of time in the ICU, the intensive care unit, and he doesn't remember stretches when he was fighting for his life. If I had kept a recorder running of our back and forth back then, it might even be helpful for him to realize just how far he's come. So this podcast is a landmark in a way. I hope to play it for him on his 87th birthday when he's walking without a walker. He can go about 20 good minutes on the walker right now, and that in itself is amazing, because there were times where he couldn't swing his feet out of bed while he was in the hospital. I hope to play this conversation for him on his 88th, 89th, and 90th birthdays as well. We can listen, remember, and laugh about a great evening. Here's the setup. Earlier in the year, Larry began to have shortness of breath. Most people who followed his shows over the years on CNN and now on Aura know that he had quintuple bypass surgery back in 1987. So it's kind of miraculous that he got to New Year's Day of 2019. His own father had died of a heart attack at age 46 when Larry was nine years old. By about April of this year, a lot of other illnesses began to set in. I'm not going to go into detail about them, but let me tell you, he could have been taken down by any one of four that hit him simultaneously. No secret that he's battled cancer, but at one point, as you'll hear, Larry's heart went out, and there were doctors who said they didn't expect him to make it. Somehow, Larry pushed through. And then came sepsis and the stroke. He was in the hospital in a rehab facility for months, and it was a very conflicted time for me. I would have liked to have been with him every day, but as many of you know, I transitioned to speaking not long ago. Speaking engagements tend to be booked months in advance, and 2019 was kind of the breakthrough year. Business really started to blossom. So I was on the road a great deal of the time that Larry was hospitalized. We'd been having breakfast almost every day for the previous nine years. It's really hard to be distant from someone you love when they're in trouble and need every bit of support to keep going. I'd head to the hospital as soon as I got home, and it was strange because the whole experience was a roller coaster ride. I might leave one day thinking I was never going to hear his voice again, come back a week later, discover he'd made a tremendous recovery, only to leave again and return to find that he'd gotten sepsis and was hanging on by a thread. 
One of the best pieces of advice that Larry has given me is, every setback is a step forward. I kept waiting for that to play out. Maybe I'm still waiting, but slowly, doctors and nurses reversed his illnesses and therapists helped him recover movement. I'll never forget how shocked I was seeing him up and walking with a walker. Every day he keeps getting better and better, stronger and stronger. He returned to breakfast, returned to work, and here he was celebrating his 86th birthday at an event organized by Bruce Cherritt and Michael Jury at the Friars Club. As you'll hear in the conversation that follows, humor has always been an essential part of Larry's life, and the Friars Club, founded more than a century ago, has come to be known over the years for its comic roasts and iconic members like Jerry Lewis, Frank Sinatra, Don Rickles, and Billy Crystal. So there was a lot of laughter in the evening. Jeffrey Ross wondered why anybody would serve a man who had had a heart attack brisket on his birthday. The comic Stephen Scott did impersonations of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders that would make anybody laugh, no matter your politics. Somehow, the birthday cake came out looking like a deflated life preserver, and Larry himself asked, what is this, a birthday cake or a flat tire? And when a life insurance salesman named Dennis Gilbert stepped on stage and tried to do a little comedy, he was greeted by a booming voice from the back. Your jokes need life insurance. It was great musical entertainment. Steve Tyrell sang that old Sinatra classic. That's life. That's life. Each time I find myself flat on my face, I pick myself up and get back in the race. Well, as you know, Stephen Frank did a little better than me. Opera singers sent classics like O Sola Mio into the night. I was wondering what people three blocks away were thinking as this wonderful sound reverberated through the neighborhood. But for me, it made my memories cinematic. Backdrop to all the images I'd seen over the last eight months, a beautiful way to flash back to the hospital, the rehab center, then forward to see him laughing and hugging his children kind of hard for me to weave in a spot for my sponsor, Sportique, right here. But afterward, I'm going to tell you how much this company and the people who started it and work there mean to me. For now, let's get straight to Larry King talking about his 86th birthday. All right, you want to give me a test in one, two, three, four? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I love that broadcast voice. Oh, yes. Recognizable to anyone in the world. You want me to go into my broadcast mode? Go ahead. Hello, Cal. (laughs) Welcome to my abode. (laughs) Happy to be here, Lair. Thank you. In my Adobe Hacienda. (laughs) The hell does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wanted to talk with you about your birthday party because I thought it was a magnificent evening, to be honest. They they did a nice job with it. Uh, Bruce and the group that got together from the Friars. I'm so proud to be dean of the Friars Club, the oldest show business club in the world. And uh, they threw it here in 
L.A. because I couldn't travel to New York, so my foot gets better. And uh, it was a it was just a wonderful evening. The only problem is I'm 86, and even though that's a long life, it bugs me to think I'm 86. I don't know why, but it gets me down. Just to think you're 86. Well, most people my age don't reach 86. <laughs> now, that's a Yogi Berra line. Most people my age don't reach 86. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of it that way. But I, I, I've lived a full life. I've had a, I've had a great life when you look at it. And then now, trying to get my left foot to work so I don't have to limp and take a walker. I'm proud of everything that I've done. I'm happy with my life. It was a great party. Well, so many of us who watched over the last six months wondered if we were going to see this night. And it was just amazing to me to see you sitting there, laughing, enjoying the music. Truth. Did I nearly buy it? Did I nearly buy the big one? Yeah, you nearly did. How bad was it? Pretty, pretty bad. Pretty, pretty <laughs> bad. There was one time where I came to visit you in the hospital, and you were sleeping. But I just wondered... Is this the last time I'm going to see you? I know people tell me the doctors gave up on me. Some doctors, one doctor said he thought he'd never see me in the morning. See, I was out during all of this. You you have no memory. I have no memory of any. I just remember, I don't remember where I was. I just remember waking up in intensive care and having chance to tell me, you know, how sick I was and understand they put those two bumpers on my heart and I had a septus infection. It's serious stuff. There were times where you actually thought you were in Florida. Really? Yeah. Thought you were in Florida when you were in the ICU. The ICU confuses everybody, though. Yeah, That's pretty common. ICU is where you go to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> no windows. You're kind of locked in. And it is hard to sleep because somebody is poking you or prodding Tell you. Tell what I'm happy to know. I'm happy to know of all the people who cared and came by, and especially Cal Fussman. Well, Cal, Cal's always been there for me. Well, it actually, for me, it was kind of difficult because I started to speak and I was traveling, and I couldn't be there all the time. And it felt... But I'll bet you kept in touch. Oh, we did keep in touch. We did keep in touch. Uh, and when the, the interesting thing about it was I was able to come in sometimes a week or 10 days later and see like a vast improvement. Yeah, that's funny. My, my trainer told me to how much I've improved in my body strength and I walk with a walker and I haven't felt it. To me, until I walk, I haven't improved. Until I walk without a walker, I just walk. And so I've heard all the rest, my strength is strong, I do my exercises, you know. But to me, it's still April. I haven't, in my head, recovered. I'll tell you one thing. The worst thing of all, being dependent on others. I have a lady who'll come here tonight and she'll help me go to bed. And another lady will come tomorrow morning, caregivers. And people have to drive me around. And I just 
drives me nuts to, to, that I'm dependent on other people. If a fire started in this building right now, I think I I'd think have to. I, I couldn't get out. Yeah. Well, I'd have to put you on my shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> we'd, we'd run out. No, it is it, something really. You know, I've, I've known in people who've been incapacitated, but I've never been incapacitated. It took me eighty-five and a half years to get incapacitated. And like at that party when I stood up to talk and I had shortness of breath, it scares me. You know, it just. I'm adverse to dying. <laughs> I, I, as Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Uh, I'm adverse to dying. <laughs> I, I'm, I, it's not in my mode. <laughs> but that, back, back to, it was a wonderful party. I was thrilled. The crowd was great, and it was so nice to me. Yeah, you had the Crescent Hotel was filled up with friars. There was a lot of comedy. I'll tell you, Jeffrey Ross, every time he shows up. <laughs> a couple we can't repeat. <laughs> and but Fussman was at my table, folks, and that made the night. Cal Fussman <laughs> was at my table. There were a lot of friends at that table, friends and family. And Chance and Cannon and Larry Jr., it, it was a heartwarming, it was really, when you look back, that was really a nice party. For me, it was special because I kept on having flashbacks. To what? Of the six months of going oh. to see you. And like, look at you now, you're, you're laying in bed, but your left leg is crossed over the right. There was a time where you couldn't do that. I know. It, your legs were just right out in front of you and they weren't moving. And now you're moving around. You're, you're going to be walking without a walker soon. I hope so. Your lips to God. The party was wonderful. I was a little shaky when I stood up. I, let me ask you about that. Was that partly because you just wanted to stand for everybody? Yeah, I wanted to stand. I, you know, I can stand now. I don't understand. But the problem is when I'm sitting for a while and enjoying dinner and stuff, when I stand, I get shortness of breath. And I got shortness of breath when I stood up, so it was hard to speak. And that's scary because I'm used to speaking. Right. And I couldn't get words out. I, it really felt scary. But Dramatic I wanted, for the crowd, though. <laughs> I wanted to stand up, and I did. That made me feel good. Another thing we should mention is the food at the dinner was all food from Grossinger's, the famous Catskill Resort in the 1950s. The brisket of beef, the potato latkes, which were fantastic. That whole thing was a, just a wonderful array of food. The only thing I didn't get, what was the meaning of the cake? You know, the you had a like funny a line. You what, said what? Either, either this cake is a cake or a flat tire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they told me, wait till you see the cake, you're going to love the cake. And just a big, it was a big black hole. Like a donut. It was, it a, was big a donut, black but I donut. didn't get the meaning of it. I did not get the meaning of it either. But it tasted Bruce okay. Bruce Almighty told me I would get the meaning of it. <laughs> and I, I still, I, I, I tasted it wasn't very good either. Oh, you didn't like the... the did you like the cake? You know what? I, I was so happy to be there, to be seeing you there. 
around your friends and everybody so happy to be with you that everything just tasted great. Well, I'm, I'm so happy for your friendship. First of all, I'm so happy that you're out on your own doing your big things with your speaking all over the world. And occasionally you remember me. You know, oh, hello, Larry. Nice to see you. Goodbye. Where are you? I'm in Tunisia. <laughs> Where are you? I'm flying to Singapore. Singapore. <laughs> First one goes everywhere. Well, I got to say, 10 years ago, I can recall coming to L.A., and I really didn't speak much. I asked questions, but yeah, it didn't speak. That was your speak. Esquire day, right? Those, that was the Esquire days. But and you I, interviewed me. I interviewed you, and I think just being around you at breakfast, day after day, speak, that's right. I watched you speak, and I was just kind of inhaling it. And then all of a sudden. Your life changed. Life changed. It just came out. So I can see then when I was in the hospital, you must have been pretty worried. I was, I think at times I was beyond worried. You always told me every setback is a step forward. Except this one. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt that a step back is a step forward and your negatives make you positive. But this was quite a blow. I. I may have expected lots of things, but not that I couldn't walk. Well, I kept looking for the step forward every time I would come back, and I, I, I would see it uh, after a while. But the times in the ICU, those were pretty devastating times. Yeah, because I was really in bad shape. Yeah, bad shape. Not only that, but and to me, the big thing that I learned from this is how important sleep is. Because you have, you, a, you have a hard time sleeping in the ICU because every 20 minutes they're coming over to give you a shot or Take check. Take your blood pressure. Yeah, the IVs or a bath. Or, and it just seemed like you were not getting rest. Now, that's a puzzling thing. about We ought to do a show, Cal, or you ought to do a show on the ICU the doctors who man the ICU because they're doing great work and they're around infection people. It's so depressing. How do they do it? How do they do it? I know the emergency room, I understand. That's not depressing. It's moving fast. People coming in and out, taking care of them, moving them on to intensive care or onto their rooms. But intensive care is intensive care. That word ain't fooling around. Obviously, it helps people. Obviously, you need it. But that was a, a, a low point to me. And I really wanted to give it up. I, if not for my son, Chance, I would have bought the bullet. When I opened my eyes first time, he told me what happened. I had no idea what happened. A coma and all these things. And uh, I, I told him, I said, Chance, I'm going to be 86. I've had a pretty good life. I'm so proud of you and your brother and the other kids and... I'm ready to bite the bullet. I'm, and he started to cry, and I hadn't seen him cry since he was like three years old. He's going to be 21, and he's a man. And uh, when I saw that, I said, and he said, you can't leave us. You can't leave us. And that moment spurred me on to have the will. Uh, a lot of it is will, the will to go on. That's what really struck me 
because there were times where it didn't even seem like you were conscious, and yet your will was pushing you forward, even when we couldn't talk to you. But it was just kept getting you to the next day, the next what is day. That? The doctor said, I have an in, what kind of indomitable spirit? spirit. Indomitable spirit. See, I don't take credit for that because I was out all the time. <laughs> this is what was kind of amazing to me because it was there, but we don't see it being articulated. We didn't see you say, I'm, I'm going to beat this. You're maybe laying in bed and sleeping, but you just kept getting to the next day. And then it kept getting better and better. And then starting with the physical therapy. I tell you, you know what sets in? Depression. Depression is a part of this. And you got to fight to overcome it. Because you do get down. And you say, what's it all mean? And I never had depression in my life. I mean, I had bad moments. But never had depression until the ICU in that hospital. I was depressed. What did it, what did that feel like? I, well, it's a terrible feeling. I wasn't suicidal. You feel like, what the hell? What is it? What's it worth going on? What was? It? Just because you can't move. I mean, at this yeah, point, yeah. What's it all mean? You're lying there. You can't walk. You can't stand up. People are coming over every twenty minutes doing something with you. Yeah. You sleep. You wake up. You don't know if it's day or night. Yeah, no windows. Yeah, no window. Why aren't there windows in the ICU? That's a good question. Must be in a certain part of the hospital it's located. It may be that they're just trying to control as much as they can and having a source of light. I don't know. That's a good question, now. And and Cedars is a very impressive hospital. I mean, they, they're one of the top hospitals in the country, and uh, they take good care of you. That it really was an amazing performance by so many people. So you watching all this in the emergency room, right? Uh, well, in the ICU, mm-hmm. and I wasn't in the emergency room uh, with you the the night that you that you went, but it was more in the ICU, and then as you got moved through the hospital on the way out. Were you shocked when you saw me the first time? Yeah, that I looked that bad. Yeah, you looked pretty bad, and you were confused. I don't remember that. Didn't like, didn't know where I was. The de- yeah, there were moments you did definitely did not know where you were. Uh, there were other moments where you knew where you were, and it, you didn't like it, and you would like have a temper about it. I get angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you talk about like the nurses in that ICU. Like, if you would get upset, they would have to, like, kind of take it and be nice. I would yell at them. Yeah, you would sometimes. Yeah. It's bad. Two things I have. i got to get control my temper. And the one thing I've never developed in my life is patience. I don't have patience. So you tell me it'll get better, make it better now. <laughs> Don't give me, oh, you're going to be great by Christmas. No, no, make it now. You know what really got me? It, I would come in and I would see you much improved and I would say, wow, you look great. And that would really, <laughs> you'd go off on me. <laughs> yeah, right, look at me. I look great, this is great. <laughs> well, you know, it's the, way, it's the way I felt and I didn't have any mirrors. I didn't see myself in the mirror, I didn't know what I looked like. 
People tell me I really, really, really look bad. Yeah, there was there were some pretty difficult moments. So it must have felt good of you to be at that party and see me sitting there. That to me was the amazing thing because I'm I'm listening to the music. We had these opera singers there. <laughs> and not only that, but music that you really Steve Tyrell. Really love. Steve Tyrell. That's life. That's what all the people say. God love that song. You're riding high in April, shut down in May. <laughs> For me to have these flashbacks of where you are and be listening to Steve sing that song, it was just beautiful. Thank you, Cal. It was just having you there was very special. I've gotten very close to you over these last years. Uh, you're a special guy. I'm very happy that you're doing well with your podcast and your travels. I hope you stay home for a while in December. I'd like to see more of you. I'm, I am making sure we're going to have either breakfast or lunch every day when I get back. That's my greatest wish. I'm not kidding, because friendship, you know, friends are the family you choose. And uh, to me, in my life, there's nothing more important than friends. What friends have come to mean to me, I marry my friends. I care about them. I worry about them. And when you're in distress, as I was, you know who your friends are. And I saw these parade of people coming to see me. In the midst of the depression, there was joy. And knowing that these people cared about me. Yeah, there were people like uh, Greg Christensen, your longtime producer yeah. at uh, CNN. He, he like became my nurse, right? <laughs> he, he was sleeping at night in your room at times. I don't know if you remember no, that. I don't, didn't know that. Yeah. There were people who really went beyond the beyond to help you through beyond this. Beyond the beyond. Beyond the beyond to help you through well, this. Well, I'll tell you, that all increases the wanting to live. Getting, I could only imagine someone in that ICU and no relatives, no friends. Oh, visit. forget it. What's the point? What's the point? You know, it was kept pretty low profile, so a lot of people might not have heard of it. And oh, if, yeah. I if run they, into people all the time. You were sick. You had a stroke. <laughs> they didn't it, know. No, no idea. And if they had, I'm sure there would have been a lot more flowers, balloons, or... I didn't have any flowers. No flowers? No flowers, no balloons. Now, did you notice that, Fussman? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think there were some flowers. I never saw any. Never saw any flowers. Well, I think they say when you're in the ICU, I don't know, maybe they don't let flowers into the ICU. Maybe that's possible. When, when I had my heart attack in 1987, Sinatra, Frank Sinatra, sent flowers that had to be taken every floor. <laughs> there were so many flowers. They 800 had a... <laughs> flowers. You know, overdo it. Um, that was the only extended hospital stay I've had. I had a heart attack a long time ago and then heart surgery, of course. But I beat the odds a lot, Cal. I mean, you got to admit it, my father died when he was 46. You were nine years old. And, and a sad couple of years, my brother just passed away two years ago. I, I remember going to see Marty with you, 
And that was really hard for you. He was your younger brother by a few years, he right? he had brain cancer, so he didn't know a lot of times where he was. And death is, i got a new book here about death and just interviewed the author. And it's a fascinating subject of how to overcome grief and how to deal with grief. And it's a wonderful book. What What's the best advice on dealing with grief? Although I hope we don't have to deal it, with it. There's all types of grief. There's a different grief if it's a child and a different grief if it's your mother. It's putting life is it's the book. I'll recommend it to anybody. Finding Meaning. Look at that. Find, You're reaching from one end of the bed to the other. Finding Meaning by David Kessler, the sixth stage of grief. He worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Okay. Who wrote on death and dying. And he has come up with the chapter titles, Every Loss Has Meaning, Challenges in Grief, More Love Than Pain, Grieving to Believing the Afterlife, like he believes in the afterlife. Did you come through this experience with any no, epiphanies? On I'm afraid. Afterlife? I'm afraid that did not. I don't believe. I wish. I wish I could have made that leap. That I'm going somewhere. That we all have an energy, and the energy doesn't leave us. And energy doesn't die. And I, I'm too much of the world. I've, I'm. I'm blessed and cursed. I'm blessed with. The ability to ask good questions and get knowledge from people and curse, because I have no belief in an out. Do you believe in an out of being? I'm still trying to figure that out. You believe someone is watching over you? I don't. I can't believe that. I still have not figured that one out, Larry. But you know what? There's something. You know what? Like we're talking about this spirit. Do you think that's just inside of you, or? See, I don't know what what spirit means. What is spirit? Whatever the force was that was pushing you, that is pushing you to make it through the day and but see this, another one. This force is a conscious, constant force. It's it's there. Where where is it, Cal? Um, I don't see the force. I don't feel the force. I guess it's. I can see it. I, you know where I can feel it? I feel it in your voice. My voice? Yes, your voice. When you're, I'd come and visit and the voice would come out powerfully, I would say, there it is. Wasn't so powerful initially, right? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. Because I remember having a hoarse throat a lot. That I remember. And there was a confusion. And, and, and they say this happens to everybody in the ICU. So it wasn't only you. But you're confused and sore throat and like angry part of the time oh, yeah. and frustrated. And I remember being moved to the eighth floor and this was like a gift. The eighth floor <laughs> is the great floor at Cedar sinai Wow, you know what it is? A little bigger. Just carpeted a little bigger. It's the eighth floor. I wanted to call up people and say, you know where I am? I'm on the <laughs> See, that's a sense of humor. That's one thing we should discuss. I have never lost that sense of humor. I still see things funny. The comedian and a comic, they say a comic sees funny things, and a comedian sees things funny. 
uh, so I could make laughs out of a hospital now. I can make, but if you have the gift of a sense of humor, it's a great gift. Because in harrowing times, it can keep you going. And the beauty of it is, I'm, I'm trying to think of particular comments you made, but I can remember you saying things that would make everybody around you laugh. And, well, you know, we're talking about spirit. I, you probably feed off that spirit. Like I, when you're on stage, you hear laughter. You love it. Oh, the best moments of my life is making people laugh. Standing up, you discover. And the best when you stand up. There's nothing like, to me, in a bare room, no script, standing up and making people laugh. That's the highest of highs. Well, that was also you in the hospital bed at times. Really? Yeah. Things would come up. I can't like re recall off the top of my head the specific moments, but you know, things would happen and you would just nail it with a comment and would break mm. the tension. Everybody would laugh. And just what we knew, that's, I guess, a part of the spirit. We knew as long as you're joking, as long as your voice is trying to come out more powerfully, then it's a step forward. A lot of the steps forward I didn't feel because I don't remember what I went through. So I don't, you know. I wonder if that's a good thing. People tell me it's a good thing because if I'd have seen myself, I'd have wanted, I'd have gone. You know, I thought of that. I, I thought of that taking some film to show you later on, uh, but it just. I wish I'd had that. I'd like to have seen it seemed, what I looked like in the ICU. It seemed so intrusive that I, I would would never do it. I didn't even know if it's legal or anything, but because I remember when you started to go to therapy and you got behind the walker, and you started walking. I got that on film, and I was able to show that to you. And then you're like looking at it like a football coach, just checking yourself out, just watching your performance. And I, I get the feeling that every time that you're working out, you're trying to go a little further. And now you're, what, more than 20 minutes back and forth? Yeah. Yeah, it's great having friends like you, Cal. Well, we love you, Larry. I love you. Love you, too. Bon voyage on whatever you're going next, because Cal is always going somewhere. <laughs> well, I'm uh, headed to Thanksgiving with my dad. You go to North Carolina every Thanksgiving, don't you? Yeah. And I hadn't planned on, on this, but when I sat there at the party this morning. yeah but it was at the party where i was watching you and i said you know i would just like to somehow commemorate that night and i would like to be able to play this to you on your 87th birthday <laughs> when you're walking i better be walking <laughs> Okay. Okay, Cal. I got Great this day. on tape for when you're 87. For posterity. We'll listen to it then, and I promise the birthday cake won't look like a flat tire. <laughs> Thanks, Cal. All right. Cheers, Larry. We love you. That about wraps it up. want to thank Tim Ferriss for nudging me to start this podcast. Probably never would have thought of recording this memory. 
if I didn't have this podcast. So thank you once again, Tim. And I want to take a moment to thank my sponsor, Sportique. I feel so grateful to know Matt Altman and Jason Franklin, the founders of Sportique. They're two very special people, and their character comes through every one of their products. When you wear Sportique threads, you feel comfortable. Whether it's a comfy tee, sweatpants, a hoodie, chinos, you just feel good. And you know why they say, Roam in comfort. In a way, when you put on Sportique threads, you're getting to meet Matt and Jason, and you'll feel like family. You'll see why this family is ever expanding, and why this company is growing so quickly. If you go to sportique.com, that's spelled S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E. There's no U between the Q and the E. If you go to sportique.com, you're going to understand why it's a great place for holiday gifts. And you'll get a 20% discount if you use the offer code CAL. I'm telling you, you will have happy holidays when you bring Sportique into your life. Also want to thank the Friars Club for hosting that birthday celebration for Larry, Bruce Cherritt, and Michael Jury. Guys, made it happen. Thank you so much. And this conversation will always allow us to look back upon that wonderful night. I hope that you'll throw many more parties like it in the future. Cheers! Cheers!